0: How's everybody doing on this long weekend? Kind of fun, huh? Hey, I love hearing uh, Rich and Janie's story about why they serve. And uh, throughout this month of May, we've been talking about serving quite a bit. And and did you hear why they serve? Did you pick up on that? They said, we serve because we love to be a welcoming voice, a welcoming smile to people coming into the church. They said, we love to serve because of the people that we serve with. And uh, and I encourage you this morning, if you are not currently serving at River Ridge Church, and, and this is where you would call your church home, we would love to get you involved in serving in some capacity. You know, over this uh, month of May, we've been talking about serving. We're talking about kind of the character of God. And the part of the character of God is that God is a God who serves. He serves us in the way that he provides. He serves us in being a refuge. He serves us, and he is a God of love. And Jesus even said, Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And so when we serve, we are doing the thing that God wants us to do in serving other people. So I want to point you out, uh, in the seat back in front of you, there's a little green card that says, made for more. And I encourage you, if you are a part of River you say, hey, this is my home church, but you are not serving. Would you fill this out this morning and say, hey, this is where I'd like to serve? If you're not sure, there's a little place on there that says, uh, help me find a place to serve. And I would like to say, hey, we just need this, we just need that. Um, But really, for pretty much all of our Sunday morning serving areas, we have needs somewhere between two and five people in terms of what we need. So if you are part of Riverage Church and not serving on Sunday morning, we would love for you to be a part of serving here on Sunday morning to make uh, this church what God has it to be and to fill that out. Once you fill that out uh, after the service, on the silver tables out the double doors, there's just some baskets out there. You can stick the green cards in there, and then we'll get in touch with you and kind of get you plugged in. So, hey, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you uh, just for that worship and, uh, God, for that song that we sang at the end. I just, I love that that anthem of we believe uh, in the Holy Spirit, we believe in the three-in-one God. Thank you just for how that touched my heart this morning. And God, I pray that as we look into your word this morning that you would touch our hearts, that you would speak to us the message that you want each one of us individually to hear and also the message that you want us to hear corporately as a church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so most of you can probably recite John 3.16 or at least have heard it or are familiar with it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Familiar to most of you? Well, next week, we are starting a new series, and I'm super excited about this and kind of curious about it as well. It's called The Other 316s. And in this series, we're going to look at a number of different verses in the Bible, 10 verses over 10 weeks, uh, that are the other 316s, because we all know John 316, or many of us do. Uh, But 1 John 316 is a great verse, James 316 is a great verse, Colossians 316 is a great verse. How about this? Judges 3.16. Who would have thought? Also a great verse. So we're going to look at a number of these. So I encourage you uh, to come back next week to be a part of this. And uh, I realize that people travel over the summer in different places. So if you're traveling, uh, we will always post the messages online uh, on Sunday afternoon, and you can... um, Watch those if you want, or if you're somewhere on a Sunday you want to watch it live, you can tune into our Taze Valley Campus feed uh, on Sunday mornings live if you want to do that. But I encourage you to be engaged with what God is doing over the summer, even if you're not here, as we do this 316 series. And so this morning, we are wrapping up a series which we've titled God Is. And over this series, we have talked about this main theme, which is this, that right relationships can't be built. On wrong assumptions. A right relationship can't be built on wrong assumptions. And so in that, what we've been talking about, it's true of relationships of person to person, but it's also true of our relationship with God. That if we have wrong assumptions or false assumptions about who God is, then it's going to mess up having a right relationship with him. And so over the course of this series, we've examined who is God. We've talked about that God is love. Talk about God is my refuge, God is my provider, God speaks to me. We've done these different things. And this morning, we're going to conclude with one that's a little bit of a mystery. And it's this idea that God is a trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we look into this this morning, I think you're going to learn a lot. But I also recognize that this whole idea of the mystery of the trinity is a little bit odd or a little bit unusual. But I want to start um, in a letter. That Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he actually wrote two letters, first and Second Corinthians, and this is the second letter, and this is the final chapter of the final letter. And he writes this: It says, "The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all." So in that one verse, we see all three parts of the Trinity. And so the Trinity is this idea, it's, this, it's a theological term. You won't find that in the Bible, but theologians have given it this term of there is God who is one, but yet there are three characters or three parts of who God is who are all fully God. And in this passage, we see all three of them, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the Son who died on the cross for us. The love of God, so that's the Heavenly Father who loves us. And in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit walks with us. And again, I think for us as humans, getting our minds around that is a little bit kind of mind-blowing. It's like, I don't quite, how can it be three but one? And so people have given different sort of analogies to help us to understand that. One of them is water or H2O. So H2O can exist in three forms, right? You learn this in seventh grade science class, right? It can exist as water. As ice or as steam. And so we say, well, that's sort of like the Trinity. It's probably, it falls short a little bit, but it helps us to grasp somewhat what the Trinity is. But as we talk about the Trinity, when it comes to the Father, we get the Father. When it comes to the Son, we understand that. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's the one that I think for us is the most kind of mysterious. It's like, what exactly is that? Because the Father, we understand. okay, a loving, heavenly Father who loves me unconditionally, I get that. I want that relationship. And then we go, I understand Jesus who walked the earth, lived a perfect life, taught people, confronted people, died on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead. I get that. I grasp that. I can read that in the four Gospels. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's the one that's a little bit more of a mystery. And when we don't understand something, when something is a little bit odd to us, we typically tend to stay away. We're like, I don't get that. I'm going to kind of keep my distance. I'm not going to engage. And you know, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and so a lot of people see family this weekend. Maybe your family, you're visiting in town, or you're going to see family. And it seems like in every family, there's always that cousin or uncle who's just a little bit weird, you know? right? So my cousin Ted is that way, and Ted actually goes by the name Simran, and he wears a turban, and he hasn't cut his hair in 40 years. I'm kidding you not. And he's like this brilliant, genius scientist who worked for like all those startup companies in Palo Alto, California, and he lives in his car. Like, that's kind of weird, right? And so it's sort of like, that. that I may exaggerate a little, but he's weird. Um, and so, but it's sort of like when I see him, I'm like, Hey, Ted, Simran, whatever you're going on, I'm like, i am you know, kind of keep my distance, right? Because they're weird, right? And you have somebody like that in your family. And by the way, if you don't know who that is in your family, it's you. Just saying, okay? So, but here's the thing is, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're like, I, I don't get the Holy Spirit. That's kind of weird and mysterious, and there's all kinds of stuff. And so we want to kind of stay away from that. You know, and some of you grew up in a church, or you've heard the term, it's not Holy Spirit, it's Holy Ghost. you know, like, that's even weirder. Like, is that Casper the ghost, or is that like chains rattling in the attic sort of ghost? You know? And some of you grew up in a church, or have watched TV about church, and it's not the Holy Ghost, it's the Holy Ghost! Who don't get the Holy Ghost? You know, and it's like sweating and microphones and all that, flipping down the aisle, and people shaking and falling down and speaking weird languages. It's like, that's weird, I'm staying away from that. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is more mysterious, and I was poking fun a little bit, but, but here's the thing is, the Holy Spirit is more mysterious, but I don't want that to keep us from embracing and understanding who the Holy Spirit is. It's a guy named Francis Chan, and he wrote a book called Forgotten God, and it was all about the Holy Spirit, because it's it's that part of the Godhead that we don't get, and so we just sort of keep our distances and go, ah, I'll just stick with Jesus and the Father. I'm good with that. So this morning, what I want us to do as we talk about God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is to spend our time looking at who is the Holy Spirit and just talk about a few different things related to the Holy Spirit so that we can embrace the fullness of all three parts of the Godhead. So let me give you Holy Spirit 101, okay? Uh, here's the first thing. is The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Sometimes people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it or a force. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person as a part of the Godhead. If you've gotten that wrong, so have I. Don't beat yourself up over it. But it's helpful to understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a he. Here's the second um, part that I want you to understand as part of kind of Holy Spirit 101. Is that every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit within them. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, at that point in time, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in you. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So it says, in him, so in Christ, you also, you who are a believer... When you heard the word of truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead and the gospel of your salvation, that's where salvation is found, and believed in him. So at that moment of salvation, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit entered your life at that point in time. And I, and I want to make that clear because sometimes there can be some errant teaching that says, well, the Holy Spirit comes later. You receive Christ, and then you get the Holy Ghost later, and then you start speaking in tongues later, you start, this happens later. And, and unfortunately, and I, and I encountered some of that in college, and it, and it was very divisive. There were people that were like, well, we have the Holy Spirit and you don't because we have this experience. And, and all it did was create this sort of two-tiered false dichotomy of Christians, of those who were kind of extra spiritual and those who weren't. And it was divisive and not unifying. And so I want you to know clearly that if you have placed your faith in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit within you. So that's Holy Spirit 101. We're going to go to Holy Spirit 201 here and look at a little bit of words in the Old and the New Testament. So the Holy Spirit is talked about both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, I think about 800 times. In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is the word ruach, right? That kind of that ruach is, is what the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament. Now, I want to read to you a verse from Exodus chapter 10 that has the word ruach in the original Hebrew. It says this, it says, So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day. Now, you look at the verse, does anybody see the word Spirit there or Holy Spirit? It's not there. But the word ruach is there. It's actually the word wind, brought an east wind, an east ruach upon the land all that day. Okay. Now, the word ruach is translated there as wind. If we go to a different verse in the book of Exodus, again, Old Testament Hebrew language, chapter 31, it says this, I have filled him with the spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. So here we have spirit, and it's the word ruach again, okay? So again, the word wind is translated, or the word ruach is sometimes translated as wind, but they also use that same word to describe the Holy Spirit of God. Why is that? Well, hold on for one second. We'll see this in the New Testament as well the New Testament, the word for spirit is pneuma, okay? John 3.8 says this. It says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So the word pneuma in the original Greek is translated here as the wind blows, the pneuma blows, okay? Hang with me. This is feeling a little bit egg-headed here, but hang with me. And then a verse Uh, that verse continues, it says, the wind blows where it wishes, the pneuma blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's that same word, pneuma. So in other words, there was a, a word that the Greek culture and the Hebrew culture were familiar with, which was the word ruach or then pneuma, that they used to describe the wind. But they said, that's the best way that we can also describe the Holy Spirit of God. And it helps us to understand that kind of background because if you understand wind, you'll have a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because when it comes to the wind, you can't see the wind, can you? You can't see the wind. But what you can see is you can see the effects of the wind. You can see when the wind blows over wheat, you know, and, and the wheat is bent. Or you can see leaves get, that get turned up. You can see, you know, when wind ruffles your hair, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of the wind. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is invisible. You can't see the Holy Spirit. But if you look, you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. And then here's the other thing about why wind and and spirit are put together. It's this, is the wind is incredibly powerful. Just curious, how many of you were here in July 2012 when the derecho hit? June, July, derecho 2012. Okay, some of you were here, a lot of you were here. So if you weren't here, it was this crazy storm that blew through Charleston uh, on June 30th of, uh, of 2012. And I can remember I was over at Coonskin Park. Uh, my family was actually, or several of my family were down in Haiti. And uh, and so I was at Coonskin Park, and this storm just came in as I was watching the soccer game. And they shut the soccer game down and said, everybody head home as quick as possible. And just wind everywhere, trees were falling down, and all these microbursts of wind just knocked everything down. And I can remember walking around the next morning around my neighborhood and down the carriage trail and down Bridge Road, and just trees down everywhere. The power of the wind was incredible. And the power of the Holy Spirit is incredible. And so what we want to do as believers in Christ is we want to say, I want to understand and tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I want us to spend some time looking at what is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, let me ask you a question before we jump into that. If you had the choice... Of Jesus walking around in 2019, walking around earth with us, or the Holy Spirit, which would you choose? Because I think most of us would be like, that would be awesome if Jesus was walking around in 2019. Like, I could go up to him and have a conversation and ask him some questions, and he might heal somebody and I could see the healing be done. It's like, and people would line up and crowd, he'd teach, that would be awesome. And we go, it'd be great to have Jesus here on earth. So we say Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Most of us would, for us, we go, I think I'd prefer to have Jesus than the Holy Spirit, right? Listen to what Jesus says about that question. This is John chapter 16. Jesus says this nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's saying, it's to your advantage that I leave the earth. Because if I leave the earth, then the Holy Spirit, the helper, it's called here, he's called here, says, the helper will come to you. Saying, it's better that we have the Holy Spirit with us, because the Holy Spirit is in all of us, than to have one Jesus who walks around the earth. Why is that? What is it about the Holy Spirit that is so good for us that's better? than having Jesus alive and walking around in 2019. So Jesus answers that very question. In John chapter 14, and we're going to stay in the Gospel of John for the most part for the rest of our time this morning if you want to turn there. But in John chapter 14, Jesus begins this dialogue with the disciples, this teaching about what is the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit. And so he says this, this is going to be John chapter 14 verse 16. And he says, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So he says here, I will give you another helper. So here's the first role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps me. The Holy Spirit helps you. The role of the Holy Spirit, the first role, is to help you. Now, I read this out of my Bible. Depending on what Bible you have, you may have a different word than helper. It may say you may have another counselor. It may say advocate. It may say encourager. It may say comforter. And this is one where different Bible translations have a, a, a wide variety of words. And you may kind of wonder, like, why can't they get this straight? Like, why, isn't it, why doesn't everybody say helper? Why doesn't everybody say advocate? Why doesn't everybody, you know, why is it different? And, and here's why. It's because there's no single English word, that fully captures the original Greek word, which is paraclete. There's no single word that captures that, and so they have to pick a word. Now, in fact, if a translation came out that actually said, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor, helper, encourager, advocate, that would probably be the best translation, but they don't hyphenate it They just pick one. But I want us to understand that He is our helper. So how does He help us? One of the ways that we can see that he helps us is actually by looking at this original Greek word. It's the word paraclete, and it's a compound word of para and clete. Para means with, okay? It means basically with, and clete means called. And so the Holy Spirit is called the helper, or he's called called to be with. And here's what that means, is that the role of the Holy Spirit is that he is called to be with you. I don't know if you remember when Jesus called the first disciples. He called them, and they were gonna, the first disciples were gonna do some amazing things. They were gonna teach people, they were gonna start the church, they were gonna eventually heal people. But the first thing that he called them to do, it says he called the twelve to be with him, just to be with him. And that's what the Holy Spirit is for us. The Holy Spirit is with us. That's the blessing of that. And it's interesting. He says, he will give you another helper, right? Well, another, well, who's the first one? The first one is Jesus. In the same way that Jesus walked with the disciples and helped them and taught them and all of that, the Holy Spirit does that for us. So I want to pause right now, and I want you to think about your life. What are you going through in life right now that you need help with? Because that's the role of the Holy Spirit is to help you with whatever you're going through. Maybe you're going through something really difficult and you just need some comfort. That's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're going through something and you need somebody just to walk beside you and encourage you. That's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're facing a difficult decision right now. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the counselor. That is who the Holy Spirit is to you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that we want to tap into on a regular daily basis. Then it continues on, the next verse, verse 17. It says, Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. There's that He is with you, that same thing for the paraclete, the cleat part, to be with you. Here's the second truth about the Holy Spirit and the role, is that He reveals truth to me. He reveals truth to me. There's a couple other verses in this that I want to point out that helps us to understand how it is that he reveals truth to us. Verse 26 it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So it says the Helper, that's that word again, the Holy Spirit, and you know, one of the things that, that I've talked about a lot, I feel like, over the last six weeks, eight weeks, maybe even longer, is the value and importance of spending regular time with God. Fifteen minutes in a chair with God change, will change your life. Fifteen minutes of reading God's Word and reflecting in prayer, that will change your life. And you will keep hearing that from me because I believe that it is so true. And here we see one of the benefits of that. That what happens is you spend time with God, you read God's word, you meditate on it, you write some things down about it, you, maybe you memorize a verse. You have that, that goes into your head, that goes into your heart, you know God's word. And then it says the Holy Spirit will bring to you remembrance of what I have said. That when that stuff is in our heart, when those words of God are in our head, then the Holy Spirit can bring that to mind in us. Because it just at the right time, when we need that truth, He's there. You know, earlier this week, I was, uh, I was just struggling with some kind of church stuff and some decision stuff and things like that. And I was just feeling this weight on me. And it was just like, my goodness, if I don't make the right decision here, the church is going to fall apart. If I make the right decision, the church is going to grow to five million people. It was just like, it was not a good place to be, believing kind of these lies, but just this huge weight. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The Holy Spirit, not out loud, but the Holy Spirit brought to mind, did this remembrance thing of something that Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church. And in that moment, I realized it's not my job to build the church. My role is to be faithful. My role is to love people. My role is to make the best decision that I can with what God has given me. But my role is not to build the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. And you see, when we have God's word in us, when we're regularly in God's word, God will recall that to us through the Holy Spirit and remind us of these things. There's another really good verse, chapter 16, that helps us to understand that the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. Chapter 16, verse 8, says this, and when he comes, so I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It says that part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. Now, when we are off the path that God wants for us, he convicts us that that path is wrong, and he puts us back on the right path. You know, there's a lot um, of talk sometimes about guilt. And people say, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty about stuff. Guilt is bad. And it's interesting, as I've thought about guilt this week a little bit, there's good guilt and there's bad guilt. You know, bad guilt, and and God does not want you to have bad guilt or shame, you know, and bad guilt is when you, you know, you commit some sin, you do something that is outside of God's will, and then you repent and you ask forgiveness, and then afterwards you still feel guilty about it, you still feel shame about it. That's not from God, that's from Satan, that is bad guilt. But there is also what we might call a good guilt, which is conviction of the Holy Spirit. That if there's something in your life that is not aligned with the path that God wants you to be on, there's something outside of God's will that you're living your life, you're doing this thing, whatever it is, and you feel guilty about it because you're doing this, or you feel guilty because you're not doing that, that's probably from the Holy Spirit. Now, it could be from your mom, but it's probably from the Holy Spirit, right? And so then what we do is the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we say, I'm going to stop going my path, this path, and I'm going to get on God's path, and I'm going to go towards what God wants me to do. And so maybe even this morning, there's something on your heart that God is convicting your heart, saying, you're on the wrong path, get on my path. You know, when we hear that voice in our head that says, you shouldn't sign those papers. You shouldn't look at this. You shouldn't have that conversation. You shouldn't send that email. You shouldn't, whatever it is, fill in the blank. That's probably the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so then we get in line with what God wants, and we follow God's path. And then any guilt that we feel after that, if we're on God's path, is just Satan messing with us. But we want to get on the path that God wants us to be on, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of the sin in our lives. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore that. Wanna go away from John and look at one more verse about the Holy Spirit or a couple of verses. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 7, it says this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And then skipping down to verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So what Paul is talking about here is he says everybody has spiritual gifts. When you became a Christian, you received a spiritual gift. All of us have spiritual gifts, or, you know, and there's a bunch of them mentioned about there's teaching, there's leadership, there's generosity, there's mercy, there's hospitality. There's all of these gifts listed. And then there's other gifts that people have that are not in the Bible, but they are from God. It says that God gave you those gifts for the common good, to build up the rest of the body of Christ. And then in verse 11, it says, and all these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit. And so the third role of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit empowers me. The Holy Spirit empowers me. And you see, here's the thing. As I want you to get and grasp this, it says, the manifestation of the Spirit, I'm back in verse seven, for the common good. You see, God has given each one of you a gift or two gifts, or five gifts. God has given you gifts, and he's given you those for the building up of the body of Christ, for the common good. And I want to challenge you and ask you this morning, are you using the gifts that God has given you for the common good of the church? Or are you just sitting on them? are you just using it for yourself? Because the gifts that God has given you, he gave for you to love and to care and to minister and to pour into other people. You know, earlier I talked about this made for more, that we are made for more. In other words, it's this idea that God didn't just give me this gift for myself. He gave me these gifts for more so that I can shower those on other people. And I would encourage you, if you're not serving within the body of Christ, the common good, to do that. To use the gifts that God has given you to serve within the body of Christ. You know, it's interesting, we heard um, Rich and Janie's story uh, earlier in the service, and they talked about their spiritual gifts of hospitality. But they also said, you know, we served in this place and that place, and then we finally found where we fit. And I found that that's so true, that so many people, they serve one place, they serve another, and it takes a couple of moves to say, this is where I'm really used of God. This is where I'm really empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what you want me to do. Um, but you know what's common about every person? I've seen hundreds and hundreds, probably a 1,000 or more people step into serving, and they all have one thing in common. It's that they took the first step. They said, yep, I'll serve, and they took that step forward. And maybe it took a couple of moves to get to where they really found their sweet spot and where they really felt empowered, but until you take that first step, you'll never know so I encourage you again, if you're not serving, to step in and to have a spirit-empowered ministry in the context of the local church. There's one more verse in the book of Galatians. You don't need to turn to it. It's not on the screen, but I just want to read it to you. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And it's this idea that we walk with the Holy Spirit, that we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And I can't help but remember this Movie. It's like an old movie, a Lily Tomlin movie, and Steve Martin, um, where one of them inhabits the other person's body. My left foot or my red shoe. I don't know what it's called. This isn't even in my notes. This is like bonus material here, but I can remember this. This funny scene where like the one of them is walking sort of thing, and the other one's trying to control where they walk. But it's this idea of one person is controlling where the other person walks, right? And when it says walk in the spirit, what we're talking about is that the Holy Spirit is controlling every step and every move that we make. That's what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we want that, but how do you get that? I think it comes from an attention to the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you as an application, every day this week, take out your notes and just pray the three roles of the Holy Spirit in your life. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, reveal truth to me. Holy Spirit, empower me to live today how you want me to live. Holy Spirit, help me. Reveal truth to me. Empower me. Help me. Reveal truth to me. Empower me. And as we get that in our brain, we will learn to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. I want to close our time this morning and just ask that you bow your head and give you just a moment of reflection. And I want us to reflect on this whole series of God is. What is God saying to you this morning. What is God saying to you? Maybe this morning is the time for you to come to know Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. Or maybe it's to pursue him and to pursue him again. You've been running from him and God's saying, I want you to pursue me. Or maybe it's just a reliance on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been this mystery and so God is saying, I want you to rely on the Holy Spirit. Or maybe God is calling you to serve, or maybe God is calling you to make amends with somebody to make right relationships. But I just want you to hear, what is God saying to you here this morning? God, we want to follow you in all of your fullness and all of your character, Father, Son, Holy Spirit you are the provider, the one that speaks, you are the one who loves. God, we want to follow you in all of your fullness. Help us to do that day by day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.